Welcome to Living Free Today, a ministry of Cornerstone Fellowship in San Lorenzo, California. These podcasts are the weekly sermons of Dr. Michael L. Wilson. Please open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. Paul is talking about something that is known to every Christian but is elusive, and that is the idea of contentment. Many today that I've talked to have kind of given up on the idea of contentment because the world is so broken or it's upside down or the wrong things are going on or the homeless or the whatever. They can always come up with a list that only if things would change and it would be a different world, then they could be content. If I could pull each of you aside and give you a piece of paper and have you write five things that you would like to change about yourself or your situation or the government or your finances or your health or something, it would probably be difficult for you to stop at five. We have taken on what the world says, and that is to be dissatisfied. And Paul lived in a radically different world. It's very easy to look at this and say, well, if Paul lived today, he wouldn't talk about contentment. But I'm sure Paul had all sorts of errors coming against him and problems, after all, where he lived was occupied by the Roman government, so he didn't even live in a free society. Now, when we talk about contentment, contentment has a very basic definition. It means fully and completely satisfied. It means if you look at your situation, you would not want to change anything because you are content with the way that it is. If you were contented, and I handed you a piece of paper writing down five things you'd like to change, you would, couldn't write anything because you are contented just the way things are. And that's a difficult situation because if I say that, it's very easy to say, but you don't know about this or you don't know about that or however about this. But that word but or however has the power to invalidate the entire Word of God because the Word of God says you can, you need to be, you are commanded to be content. And so let's look at why we're not in today's society. The biggest reason today that people are not content is because everybody... Every last breathing person in Washington, D.C. and Sacramento and Hollywood want you to be discontented. Because if you are content and they say, vote this way or watch this movie or believe this teaching, 
you would look at it and say, eh, it doesn't move me in any, you know, I'll vote the way I want to vote. I'm not moved by your argument because I'm content. I'm satisfied the way that I am. And so everything that comes out of the government at every level is currently a crisis, is now something that you must act on today or you're going to die. If you listen to what the government is saying and what, I mean, all the way through COVID, all the way through global warming and climate change and, and the homelessness and all these sorts of things is we have to be different people or we are going to die. I must change the way that I think. I must change the way that I act. I must declare everything I do to be out of alignment with what is being preached to me. And this preaching comes through every news show, every TV, modern TV show. That's why I like to watch you know, TV from the 60s, because I didn't care about these sorts of things. The, the idea that you are doing it wrong, according to everybody out there in power, and you must change hits against our contentment and hits against everything that it's very easy to begin to think, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I need to change a little bit, as opposed to being content with what I have. Now, Paul said he's content. How is he content? Why is he content? He is completely and totally satisfied with his current situation, even though he has been poor and rich and hungry and well-fed and all these different things, he has been in every situation, he is satisfied and content because he doesn't care what the emperor of Rome says. He cares what Jesus Christ says. He cares what God's word says. And he reads God's word, and he writes some of God's word, but he reads God's word, and he gets this message perfectly clear, and that is, God through Jesus Christ has supplied every need that he has. The example he gave is that Paul's on a missionary journey, and the church at Philippi have a missionary program. And so they send him money, and they have to send it by messenger because there's no checking accounts back then. So they were, there was some difficulty, there was no opportunity to give, perhaps of uh, the Romans blocking roads or something. But as soon as there was an opportunity, the church at Philippi took an offering, gave it to somebody, and they traveled all the way to Paul, and they gave him the money as a missionary offering. And Paul is thanking them for that, but saying his contentment, his satisfaction, is not based on the fact that he got the money. Money's good. The money's good. Everybody would say money's good. Nobody would say, I don't you know, need more. Everybody wants more. But that isn't the basis of his contentment. He wasn't discontent. He got the money, and now he was contented. His contentment lasted 
throughout every situation change because he honestly and truly believed that all of his needs were met by Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection and the ascension, that Jesus Christ met all of his needs. And if he is in a situation where he's hungry, hasn't eaten in three or four days, he can still be content. He may not know exactly what Jesus is doing. None of us on any particular day can write down a detailed plan of what God is doing. But we have an understanding. The scripture says, God has met all my needs. So I'm looking and my car is broken down. And I'm saying, I need a new car. But if the Bible says, all of my needs are met, I'm not going to elevate my car above the word of God. I can still look at it and repair it. I can still go grocery shopping. I can still function in society, but I don't raise anything up to the level of defining God by my need. It's very easy, and the world does it all the time. We must judge people, and we must judge God by my own expectations. If you do not do what I want, if you do not answer the way I want you to answer, and I can apply that to the spiritual realm as well as the physical realm, then I can be offended by you. And there seems to be a very strong movement teaching us all to be offended by everything that goes on. And if I'm offended by everything that goes on, I'm clearly not contented. If I was contented, I literally wouldn't care. And so what do you do when you watch the news? You watch the news and they tell about another mass shooting. You can get all upset saying, the world is going to hell. And that it is, by the way, the world is going to hell. And therefore, I am going to be upset by the world going to hell. But the world's always been going to hell. Ever since after the flood, Noah goes and gets drunk. I mean, it's like all downhill from there. The world's been going to hell. God wiped it out with a flood. And then after the flood, still going to hell. And it's all going downhill. And it's either this group or that group who's in charge encouraging people to live out their sinful desires. And today we have something that Paul could not even imagine. I have, we have these little devices in our purses or pockets, and I can get any sort of voice, I can get any side, sort of teaching, I can sit there and watch YouTube day in and day out and hear everybody teaching all sorts of everything, and everybody has these voices. It's estimated that an average person today hears one million different voices every day. Paul probably heard three. But today we have all this stuff in TV and radio and podcasts and YouTube and Twitter and all these various things, Facebook, that we look at. Everybody is speaking into your life 
And most of those voices, unless you're very selective, are teaching you to want and to be dissatisfied and to be discouraged and to be offended and that if only you vote this way, your life will be grand and only if you buy this product, your life will be perfect. But of course, politicians and products do not usually bring us closer to God. In fact, they bring us closer to ourselves, away from God. And so we are taught every step of the way to want more and be dissatisfied and to be discouraged and not be content. Because if you are content, as I said, then anybody who tries to advertise to you or something will just get a blank stare because you're content. You only do what needs to be done, what has to be done for you to survive in society. You are content about every other situation. Any situation that you are in, you can be content if you look to God and you say, God put me in this situation. I don't necessarily know why, I definitely don't know how long it's going to last, but I'm going to trust God. And God usually puts us into situations for two main purposes, so that he will be glorified and so that we will be sanctified. And so things that we can work on, if I'm in a difficult situation, if I get a health scare or something of that nature... I can focus on God and I can focus on my sanctification. How do I get to be more holy, more sanctified? Well, I can get into His Word in any situation. I can get into His Word and as we have these devices, you can also get the Bible on your phone. You can get the Bible on your phone and it will read itself to you. You say, well, my eyes are bad, or it's dark, or I'm driving, or something. Christians are out there doing amazing things with technology, and they fix that for you. You can get a Bible that will read to you while you're driving. And you say, well, I'm not really paying attention. I don't think there's really a teaching in the Bible that says you have to pay attention. You just have to get the Word of God into you. If you're a Christian... You have the Holy Spirit. You feed the Holy Spirit or give the Holy Spirit gas, if you will, or energy by putting in the Word of God, by hearing the Word of God, by seeing the Word of God. It strengthens the Holy Spirit in your life, the impact of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so you can, at a minimum, if you're in a you know, you're stuck in the hospital with a health scare, you can at least get the Word of God into you, and then you can pray. Currently, there's no laws against praying, especially in a hospital, but until that happens, we can pray wherever we're at. We can pray about what we're reading. We can participate in the Word of God by praying, and the two basic things that we can do anywhere and in any situation are reading your Bible or listening to your Bible and praying. And those 
will bring us to a place where we can understand God's power in every situation and understand that my situation is in many ways inconsequential to the great plan of God. Now, he is, we are not inconsequential to God because he is personally molding every situation just for you. And it's very easy, and the world says, it shouldn't be this way. But God says, in any situation, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and anger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthened me. I can be in any situation. Because of Jesus Christ, I can be, as Paul says, I can have plenty or I can have you know, little, I can be hungry or I can be full, I can be in prison or I can be free. Whatever situation it is, Christ gives the strength. And I can be in that situation glorifying God and content so that even though something really bad is happening, I can hand you a piece of paper, say, write down five things you want to change, and you say, I got nothing. I'm great. I am content where I am, because I know that I'm in the will of God. I know that God loves me. I know that God has put me here for His specific purposes. And so Paul recognizes the generosity of the Philippians. As I said, they take, I'm sure they had a church service, and they talked about Paul out in the hinterlands, and they gave people time to prepare and said on this particular Sunday we're going to collect an offering and send all of it to Paul and people prayed about it and they brought their money and it was collected and somebody like Epaphrodites took it and traveled uh, you know throughout the, the it's dangerous to walk back then but you had Roman roads and you could take the money and Paul would praise them and so he says that when he started, he was converted on the road to Damascus. And after three years, he hit the ground running. And he started being a missionary for the gospel. And he says when he first started, nobody. And he was planting churches all over the place. Church in Thessalonica, nothing. Church in Corinth, nothing. Church in Galatia, nothing. Philippian church supported him, and so he's saying that's a great thing. Thank you for doing that. Nobody else, no other church that he planted supported him. And many can use this to talk about how churches need to support their missionaries. We support missionaries in New Zealand. New Zealand being a first world country, it isn't out in the jungle, but it's a godless country. God is not there. They've shut down all their churches by government order. And so we have brought somebody who works in the schools, and they're allowed to teach the Bible as literature, because they don't know the Bible from nothing. And so they're teaching the Bible as literature, and people are getting saved. Kids are getting saved. Teenagers are getting saved. And we support them. Fortunately, we are not the only church that does it, but we have partnered with other churches who have come together to support the Demetrius family in New Zealand. Then he says, 
even though the gift was good, it doesn't matter to him because he's content. Aha! He's content whether he gets the gift or not, but he sees the benefit to the church at Philippi who gave it. He actually implies that giving the gift to him was more beneficial to them than it was to him. And you can say, well, maybe he has it all backwards, but I don't think it ha he has it all backwards. I think this is the inspired word of God. And if it says, the giver is more blessed than the receiver, which happens throughout Scripture, it says that, we can believe it. And so we don't have to be one who is always looking to receive. I can be one who is actually seeking to give. And if you want stories on YouTube about giving, you can put that in there. The blessings of giving. And there's thousands of people who tell stories about how their life had no meaning. I watched one the other day. He said, my life had no meaning. And I was thinking, well, you need Jesus Christ. But he said, my life had no meaning until he started giving away his stuff, and he gave it away to people who really needed it, and now he said his life is full, and I still said, you need Jesus Christ, but he was understanding even in the non-Christian view, even in without Christ, the world understands giving is a healthy thing, giving is a spiritual thing, and so that is what he is explaining here, that they... Uh, are giving, and that is a blessing to them much more than his blessing he received. And then you go down to 19, and it says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. God is the supplier of our needs. We do not put our expectations or our shopping list on God. God knows who you are much more than you ever will know who you are. And God is the one who says, you need this or you need that. And God never comes up short. God never looks at your true, honest need and says, ah, I got nothing God can supply every need because God can do anything. We talk about God being omnipotent, all-powerful. Nothing you can do can stump God. He is also omniscient. He knows everything, so He knows your true need. And we look at the world and we come up with all of these, you know, strange needs that we say, well, if I only dress this way or have this kind of car or live in this neighborhood, then I will be happy and fulfilled. And God is saying, no, I want you to be more Christ-like. And you say, well, what's that like? Well, we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that tells you what Christ was like and tells you that Christ never had any need Christ never complained about his situation. We live in a society that teaches us 
to complain. We are a complaining society. If nothing else, you can hear complaints on the interwebs and Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. People like to complain about everything from government to housing to taxes to the homeless to COVID. I mean, you, the list goes on and on. If I complain and complain loud enough, then you'll watch my videos and you'll become a complainer too. Christ did not complain about anything to do with his situation. Instead, he understood that all of it, even the beatings and the imprisonment and the cross, was all the hand of God upon his life. And if God moves us into a slightly difficult situation or a challenging situation, our response is to follow him more closely and not to complain and not to leave church, but to be the types of people who say, God is in everything, and in everything I will follow him. And so I looked for, in various commentaries of what they say contentment brings, if you are a contented person, you will have peace of mind, because you won't be chasing after this, that, or the other. You will have gratitude, mostly to God. Some people say you need to write three things that you're grateful for every night. I tried it, and I always came up with Jesus on the list every time, and that's fine. We can put that and understand that I am grateful for the things that God has done. I am thankful and grateful for what Jesus Christ has done every day and every night. We can, be, we can have better relationships because I no longer see you as somebody that has more than what I have or that you're trying to get stuff from me. We can have financial stability. I'm not always trying to catch up. If I am content, it's quite possible I'll have realized i got more money than I know what to do with. And last, it brings us closer to God. We spiritually grow. We are better Christians, use that phrase quite a bit. We are better Christians, we are closer to God, if I am content. One commentator said, being content can lead to greater happiness, stronger relationships, and a more fulfilling life. While it may be challenging at times, striving for contentment can be a worthwhile pursuit that pays off in many ways. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, I just pray that you would continue to bring us to a place of contentment, a place of absolute satisfaction, knowing that everything that happens to us, your hand is on it. Lord, we thank you for that and ask your blessing on all the mothers and all the rest who believe in you today. We ask this through the blood of Christ. Amen. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 180 Llewellyn Boulevard, San Lorenzo, California. Our Sunday morning service is at 1045 a.m. Our website is livingfreetoday.org and our phone number is 510-278-2622. May God continue to bless you as you serve your King. God bless.